Bear on Bears fans, another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast coming your way on today's episode. Eric Bieniemy drawing some interest from the Chicago Bears. I think at this point, every head coaching candidate <laughs> drawing some interest from the Chicago Bears. And uh, what does that mean for Flus? Want to talk about some of the comments he had yesterday as well. And where does this job actually rank? We'll talk about all that and more on today's episode of the Chicago Bears podcast with Courtney Cronin back in the building. Courtney, how you feeling? I'm good. It's exciting that, you know, we had a great bye week, a little bit of time to unplug, and now you have five games that determine what January looks like. Like the day after that Green Bay game, how active is this team? Is it yeah. the typical, what they re- have referred to as Black Monday? Will there be firings? What does locker cleanout day look like? You know, going forward with Justin Fields or not going forward with him. There's a lot to be decided still. For a team that's four and eight and a team that just won a game and is feeling pretty good coming back to work having done that. Yeah, it's it's so it's weird, right? Because I feel like Bears fans are very down on the win. And then you like see the players and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, they want a football game. They're actually happy. They're excited about what, what things can be. Uh, hit that like button, subscribe to the page, leave that five-star review. Y'all know what to do. We do want to let you guys know that today's episode brought to you by the Hard Rock Casino in Northern Indiana. You can enjoy free live music every Friday and Saturday night at Hard Rock Cafe Stage. Might have to get out there, check out a couple of shows. I'm never... Never mad at uh, free. Yeah, I mean, anything that starts with free, great time. Uh, we got the report from Josina Anderson earlier, and I think this has Bears fans a little bit charged up today that uh, she has been told that Chicago Bears are expected to have interest in commander's assistant head uh, offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy, among others, with general knowledge that current head coach Matt Eberflus is under evaluation with the team at four and eight per sources. So, Courtney, what is this in your mind? What is this basically breaking down as there's five games left? If there's there's already rumors of interest being shown, does this tell you that Chicago Bears are probably leaning towards making a replacement to finish out this season? I read this as a little bit less than a nothing burger. Um, it's common sense that if they're going to be evaluating the head coach that they currently have, which is clear from everything that I have reported, clear from everything that you can hear coming out of this franchise, they're not locked in to Matt Eberflus beyond this season. Has the team given up on him? No. Has his defense improved? Yes. Like There's a lot there that the team has to consider instead of just writing this off and saying, you know, uh, they're already moving on to 2024. They're trying to get a head start on it, so on and so forth. Right. But because of all of those things, you have to then expect that the team will be at least floating the idea out there about what about this head coaching candidate? What about this guy? Like they're going to be looking at every option imaginable, Matt Eberflus included in this right now, going into the final five games of the season. Now, how these final five games play out, how many losses they incur, how many wins they may get on their record will determine the direction that they want to go. But this should come as no surprise to anybody that Eric Bieniemy's name was floated out there. Number one, yeah. Kevin Warren has ties to him. He was the running backs coach for the Minnesota Vikings. He had Adrian Peterson his yeah. first season, his first couple seasons with the Vikings. Um, Kevin Warren was the team president at that point. So he knows Eric Bieniemy from those days. Matt uh, Ryan Poles spent 2013 through 17, one of the Super Bowl 
Yeah. You know, this team getting a lot of, yeah, this team, you know, getting ready to play in the Super Bowl with Eric Bieniemy. Um, I think he started there in 2013 as the running backs coach. And then he graduated, obviously, into that OC role. So it was like 2013 all the way through 2022. So the early years leading up to the Super Bowl, seeing what his role was there, seeing him evolve then into the offensive coordinator. Ryan Poles has a lot of experience with Eric Bieniemy. So I look at this situation and of course his name is going to be floated there. Like if they end up moving on from Matt Eberflus, this should be one of the first names that you expect to hear about getting an interview that whenever they're allowed to start interviewing coaches after the playoffs begin. Um, And, you know, don't expect that he'll be on a team that has a playoff team this year because he's coaching in Washington. The reason this one makes sense though, from what I've been hearing too, is that Josh Harris, the owner of the Washington commanders who at this point, isn't looking to keep anybody from my understanding on that staff. We know that Ron Rivera feels very much like a lame duck coach. Yeah. And I had floated the question to a source this morning about well, what about Eric Bieniemy? If, if Rivera is gone, there. would that mean that he gets an interview? And the impression that I got is that that would not be the case. Yeah. So there will certainly be other teams. I get it from Washington's perspective in the sense that cleaning house, starting over with a new owner, that's typically what happens, even though they seem to like Sam Howell and what they have at quarterback and wanting to build off of that, probably going a different direction with who the OC head coach, that whole thing's going to be. But the enemy should be a name that comes up again for multiple job opportunities, whether the bears have an opening, we know the Raiders have an opening, the chargers are probably going to have an opening. So that's not surprising to me. Like you, you will hear these reports, Pat, over the next couple of weeks. And I think that you just have to like, look at all of them right now and say, yep, that makes sense. They want to have a wide pool of candidates because they want to get it right. They don't want, like, if you're going to have the number one overall pick, which very well could be spent on a quarterback, you're taking a swing for the fences with who you would be having as his head coach. Where does he rank? Let's say, right, I think Harbaugh is number one if he leaves college, right? And we've heard reports on Harbaugh that Mm -hmm. he wants to be at Washington. Maybe he leaves, or I'm sorry, he wants to be at uh, uh, Michigan. um, But if they don't offer him a deal, he might end up leaving for the NFL, whatever it ends up being. Is Eric Bieniemy the number one head coaching candidate in the market right now, or is that now shifted to Ben Johnson because of the step back with Eric Bieniemy? I would not say that Eric Bieniemy is the number one head coaching candidate. There have been other years where his name has been floated out there around this time of year that it felt more like a sure thing that he would have gotten at least an interview, no matter how far he would have gone with it. But he was also coaching Patrick Mahomes. That's a little different when you're not the OC of an offense that's putting up video game like numbers. I mean, Kansas city is not this year by any stretch, but the years that the enemy was there. And I know people are going to try to argue about what his role might've been in any of that. Regardless when your quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes versus your quarterback being Sam Howell, it's going to affect your stock as a coach a little bit, quite a bit more than yeah. just a little bit, quite a bit. <laughs> and I'd say, because this is the time of year where you're going to start to see more names pop up there than Jim Harbaugh, Ben Johnson, yeah. uh, Eric B Like they're going to be the names of the other coordinators who quietly in league circles, those names have been, you know, bubbling beneath the surface for a while, but then it's okay. This guy is going to be leaving because he's going to get a job or this per- you'll find out, Hey, this person's contracts up. This person is in line for a promotion here. Cause there might be a retiring, a firing, so on and so forth. The pool sorts itself out of candidates. So those are like the three names that are the most obvious ones right now, but I can guarantee you 
there will be more movement, especially with how last calendar year, like when it comes to front offices, last calendar year is one of the quietest years in terms of new GMs, new hires, yeah. movement between departments. Um, you know, a lot of scout in the scouting community, there was not a lot of movement and that's kind of rare. So this is being positioned in 2024 off season to have a ton of movement in the front office world, which then could trickle down, uh, you know, from GM level all the way down to like, you know, the scout, like, you know, the area scout, you know, yeah, regular, yeah. regular scouting level to the same thing happening with coaching staffs across the league too. I think you think about it too, right? Like that's how I know. I don't remember one time talking about Matt Eberflus before he ended up getting hired mm -hmm. here. Like when we were having conversations on guys, it was the Eric Bienemies. It was, you know, like all of these different names. It, it was Harbaugh again, right? Like his name's been floated around any opportunity somebody can get, but Flus just kind of popped up out of nowhere. And, was and like, that oh, wasn't okay. even his first job interview. Like that's yeah, the crazy right. thing. Like the big sexy names are often the loudest names. The like the Jim Harbaugh who had yeah. done this, had gone somewhere else, had tried to come back beginning with Minnesota when I was covering that head coaching search in 2022 and then flirted with it last year. And like, it just feels like it's only a matter of time because he kept doing that. Like, taking an interview, flirting with the process, going yeah. back to college, doing the same thing for two years. Like the coordinator names, the lesser known names are usually the ones because they haven't been head coaches yet. The first year head coaches, those names are never typically as loud as I think of some of the names that were floated for like the last couple of years. I mean, Dan Quinn, obviously yeah. he was the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Then he went to Dallas and it's like, all right, it's only a matter of time before he ends up. Um, as a head coach again, who knows? Maybe that's this year. Sean Payton, former head coach. Yeah. Now he's a head coach again. It's those names where people already are familiar with the, those people, which is why there's there's you know more conversation about them. But there's always going to be that last week of December going into the first you know the last last couple weeks of the season. But really, the last week of December, from my experience covering the NFL is when we start to find out more of those names that are going to emerge. And typically when the permission slips need to be put in for guys to go have interviews. And sometimes that's even just like jumping from position coach to coordinator. Like it's yeah. a very hectic first couple weeks of January when all that stuff starts to unfold. Is the biggest feather in Eric Bieniemy's cap right now, of course, listen, what he's doing with Sam Howe, you got to love it, right? But is the biggest feather in his cap that Matt Nagy took somebody who most of us thought was going to be the greatest quarterback of all time with the trajectory he started at and found a way to mess him up. The, no. the Chiefs aren't scoring in second halves of games anymore. Courtney. You know, I don't think that's all on Patrick Mahomes. Like, I think that I don't think that that hurts Eric Bieniemy or helps him in any yeah. stretch. I mean, they have a shitty group of wide receivers. That's what it is. And, you know, the whole knock on Bieniemy you know, and this is not, you know, this is just from what you, what you report, what you hear is that oh, right. maybe, maybe he doesn't interview well. Maybe there's right. things in his past that, you know, are brought up. Maybe he's, you know, maybe his coaching style. Remember the stuff we heard in the off season about oh, how, yeah. you know, Ron Rivera came out. It's like, yeah, guys are telling me they're getting coached too hard, blah, blah, blah. Like all of those things may play into why he hasn't gotten jobs before, but it's, I don't think it really has his stock currently has anything to do with, Oh, like look over there, what's happening in Kansas City? The, the offense is not nearly as explosive as it was yeah. the last five years because I think that 
you know, there's been a natural tail off effect of losing your number one receiver to Miami for Travis Kelsey, who's, who's been terrific still, but like, it feels like a one trick, Oh, you know, one pony show over there instead of a whole horse parade. And that's, that's not helpful to this offense considering, you know, the circumstances of their last two losses. And I know that four losses doesn't seem like a lot to a lot of teams, but to Kansas city in the seasons that they've racked up the last couple of years, that's pretty terrible by their standards. And it's, it's been how they've lost it. Like, I think, I don't know if it helps them or hurts them, but I do think there is something to the fact that, he lost Tyreek Hill and then went on to win a Super Bowl with that. Whoever's mm-hmm. calling the plays and that, right? And he was still able to scheme that. I've seen him be a part of the offensive staff that gets Pat Mahomes to a Super Bowl with no tackles, right? Mm-hmm. And we're just sitting there just like, how the heck does he keep doing this? He's running, what did he run in the Super Bowl? Like 400 yards backwards or whatever it was. Like a crazy stat that was out there, right? Like when you see things like that, those to me are things that I look at and I was like, well, the enemy was actually successful in a situation somewhat similar. Listen, Kelsey, a year older, he's dealt with injury issues. As crazy as it is to say Juju Smith-Schuster is better than Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I don't know if that's a surprise out there, but uh, it's just, to me, I look at it and I was like, I've seen this guy be successful mm-hmm. in bad situations. And heck, I look at Washington and I don't know if I'd say successful is the right word to use there, Correct. but exceeded our expectations. Mm-hmm. For what he was given, I think that that's fair to say. No, I don't disagree. And I mean, I know the sack numbers of Sam Howell, like, or it's the one category he leads, like, you know, passing stats in this year. And that's not all yeah. on him. Of course, a lot of that's the offensive line. But it's, I feel like they got what they needed to out of Sam Howell this year to be comfortable either moving forward with him as a bridge quarterback. I still don't buy the whole thing. Oh, they found their guy. They're so happy. Um, Which is why Eric bien could be on the move and very likely will be on the move because it doesn't feel like they're married to, oh, this is the bright system. We have to keep this in place. We're just going to go get another head coach or promote bien It doesn't feel like any of that's going to happen because they, they know that they can make an upgrade and they know they can make changes to clean house to you know either you know keep the personnel and just have a new coaching staff or kind of do the whole thing from from top to bottom that's the same thing with the chicago bears and as it pertains to matt eberflus and his job security the next five games even if this defense performs great even if things like let's say they go five and oh let's say they went out like that's over the next five games not that i believe anything would happen like that but the Bears are could the if that was a situation, the Bears would be in the same situation that the Chicago Cubs found themselves in at the end of the year, where they were right there on the cusp of the playoffs. David Ross had a good thing going. They made the right moves at the trade deadline, but the better option became available, you know, when Craig Council's contract was up with Milwaukee. And it wasn't anything that David Ross did wrong. They just yeah. saw an area to upgrade. If that's the route that things go, if Matt Eberflus has this team continuing to buy in, if the Bears win some games here and there. If the defense improves even more from where they were, it doesn't necessarily mean that Eberflus not being here in 2024 is something that's a direct reflection of him. It could just mean that if a better option becomes available at head coach, whether it's any of the names that we've already mentioned in the first 15 minutes of the show, that could just be a byproduct of that because of how they view their situation and a chance to make upgrades that you really don't ever want to be in a situation to make because you are seeking consistency. 
and trying to get there, it's often very difficult. Yeah, I, I mean, like that is I think that that's a real life scenario. I talked about that with Lance the other day. And, you know, Lance is kind of more on the keep floose around because the system's working. You're seeing mm -hmm. success. You don't want to flip the whole thing around. Right. But I, there is that real scenario that like you did everything right to finish the year that you could. Mm -hmm. but you're not good enough. And we've seen that throughout the year. We've seen that game in and game out where there's moments where it's like, on paper, you did everything right. Mm -hmm. On paper, you made the right call. In theory, right, that first game versus Detroit, they did the right things. You play prevent defense, you run the football, you try to run the clock out. But on paper doesn't win football games. Yeah, exactly. You got to adjust to what's happening in the game. And I think with Flus. There's just too many moments of that. Oh, I, I didn't think about the fact that Montez Sweat wasn't out there for the first three plays or, you know, Tremaine Edmonds come sit next to me for the for this drive. Right. Like there's too many of those moments throughout the year. I think that they could look at it and be like, you did the best you could with what you had. Thank you for your service. Given the circumstances, you. too. Yeah. And that's a big part of the overall picture. Because there's some there's some portion of the Bears fan base that believes you can't judge Eberflus on year one because it's, the system was designed right. to be torn down. The team was designed to fail. Right. I don't necessarily buy all of that because for a while you still had some really good defensive players on this team. They had Robert Quinn, they had Roquan Smith, and then they decided to move on from those players and not saying that that's an Eberflus decision, not pinning any of the blame on him there, but like you had to take a look at what you had and how you performed when you were at your healthiest and when your team was at its full you know, had the full complement of its skill players. And then you have to, I think they're just going to look at this like as how did they perform through those adverse circumstances when the defense was, was gutted in a lot right. of ways at the end of the season. That's like, you can't just say a three and 14 season from a year ago doesn't matter because anybody would have failed and all of that, how guys grew from that and how that set them up for this year. And I know that they haven't achieved the way that many expected them to, a lot of people probably thought they'd be further along than four wins at this point of December. But that all goes into the collective body of work of Matt Eberflus. And right. some of that stuff, like you, you, you were talking about the, you know, you had a great, you know, a great 55 minutes more or less of that Detroit game. But those final four minutes and 15 seconds absolutely count just as much as the first 54 minutes when your defense yeah. was playing lights out, your offense finally figured it out. And there were times that I thought, okay, maybe this is the game and the outcome of the game that would be the straw that breaks the camel's back for this, this whoever's making decisions at Hallis Hall, Kevin right. Warren, Ryan Poles, that, okay, we don't know. Like, you, you got to finish the job. You got to have the consistent, like, body of work. And you can't afford to trust a coaching staff that, that blew it in those final four minutes and 15 seconds. And that that would be that's absolutely as much of the part of the evaluation as the few wins that they have on this calendar. No, hundred percent. Right. Like that is a lot of times we do hear that, right? Like you'll, you'll hear about a coach getting fired and be like, well, what game was the straw? And it's like that Detroit game in week 10. Yeah. It's like, Oh, there was a lot of season left. Yeah. But at that point, Kevin Warren or Ryan Poles had made their decision on what the future of this person was going to be. We see that all the time. I guess that comes down to this, right? Like, what is the vibe in the building right now? I heard Floosh yesterday uh, mm -hmm. at the podium, and he was asked, can you save your job? Do you feel yeah. safe? 
And I'll read you the and quote. He gave no answer. He started talking about leadership. Like we're not surprised by this, but no. it was just like. I don't think he thinks he can save his job with the answer he gave me. Well, the whole thing, like anytime you ask a question like that, so yeah. rarely are you going to get like a, a straight straightforward answer. answer. Right. And I don't know what he's supposed to say. He's not going to be like, yeah, like, because I'm going to commit to, you know, because if you say, yeah, we have to win this many games. Well, if you don't meet that, then you set yourself up for failure. Yeah. He, he danced around it in a way that I thought was actually appropriate to the question about, you know, Ryan Poles has given the vote of confidence to you. Do you feel safe? And he said, you know, what you like, you can't say, yes, I feel safe. I'm completely confident that I'm going to have this job. You can only focus on yourself. And that's the whole idea of controlling what you can control. When he said you can focus on the leadership and the first rule of leadership is leading yourself. He has to do what he has to do as a head coach in order to keep this defense, the number one defense against the run, to get this pass game, passing defense to continue to improve, the seven interceptions in the last two games, four takeaways each against Detroit and against the Minnesota Vikings. That's what he's responsible for. And right. I know as the head coach, he wanted to be the CEO-style head coach. He wanted to be the guy who could oversee everything. Like life didn't allow those things to happen. The circumstances of what happened this season required him to take over defensive play calling duties to balance everything else within, within this, within this team to make sure that this team stayed afloat and you got to continue to do that. Like his answer about leadership is, is honestly probably what it should be because, you know, for him naming wins and losses, naming results, naming anything else only would put him into a corner that you don't want to back yourself into. Right. And if, if it, like the leadership of a four and eight team, they're not going to the playoffs. They, you know, really in reality, statistically don't have much to play for, but they, but you want to show this ownership. You want to show the, president and CEO, you want to show the general manager, I kept this thing on the tracks during a really adverse time and it didn't look terrible because that's how he can prove if they are considering, you know, when they are considering all the factors, do we stay or do we go right. for Matt Eberflus? Like you can't like mail it in these final five games. So I, I completely get where he's coming from with that answer. And, you know, I'll go back to one thing because like there's a lot of reports out there right now, and, and some of it's everybody's like, reporting some. So, so, some of it's common sense stuff. Like I have reported to 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 you to everybody else. Like, you know, the report that came out from the Athletic the other day. There's going to be no in season firings. Common sense 101 was the day that Ryan Poles came out there and gave an like you know over the top vote yeah. of confidence to Matt yeah. Eberflus the day after the trade deadline. It, you you. Like, that's all you needed to know. You don't say something like that and fire somebody in season because then that's a bad look on the general manager if things went so uh, by the wayside that he had to, like, revert course from, like, wow, I love this guy, glowing comment, blah, 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 to, yeah. holy, like, oh, holy moly, this guy's out. So none of, like, all of those things, just remember the next couple of weeks when you hear stuff, like, there's there's a lot to sort through here still to the five final games of the season, and – to say that Matt Eberflus is out of the picture would be completely false because they still are, you know, no matter what they think about any of the head coaching candidates, they still have to evaluate their own before they make that decision come, you know, the final hours after week 18 if they are going to move on. I think the toughest part of all of this, too, is they now not only have to evaluate do they like Matt Eberflus, the D.C., 
but do mm-hmm. they actually like him as a head coach? Because it's like you said, he wants to be CEO. He wants yeah. to oversee everything. I That leads me to believe that he's probably not going to want to call plays next year. He's probably going to want to have somebody that runs his system so that he can go That's back to question. the way that things were. Do you do you love Matt Eberflus, the D.C.? Because I love Matt Eberflus, the D.C. Being able to, I, I keep saying this, people don't realize how hard it is to run a successful defense like this without a three technique, and he's getting the job done. Yeah. Like, I love Matt Eberflus, the D.C. Do we love Matt Eberflus, the head coach? That, that is a terrific point, and it's actually, you know... That's one that I'd be very curious to hear from Flus. Like, if you didn't have to be in the situation, he wouldn't be because that, like, otherwise, you know, like a lot of coaches come in, especially offensive coaches, but a lot of coaches come in and already know that they're calling plays. Doesn't take them long. Like, they've got their staff for them, but it doesn't take them long to put the pieces together and be like, all right, I'm I'm the offensive coordinator, I'm the defensive coordinator, in addition to being the head coach. Flus from the jump wanted to be the head coach and head coach you know, CEO style head coach to where he wasn't um, calling defensive plays, but he was forced to do that, forced to adapt. And frankly, has done a really good job of that. Now let's say he sticks around next year. Let's say, let's say maybe they make some changes on the staff. If they decide that like Luke Getze is not who they want coaching Justin Fields or the other quarterback that, you know, to be named later, if it's Caleb Williams, then maybe they make a change there. To me, naturally, they need to hire a defensive coordinator when the pool becomes expanded. And I just, unless Flus fell in love with calling plays again, to me, that's not something that if from from the style that he wanted to see see through as a head coach, that's not the style that would fit with what he had planned. Um, so unless something drastically changed his mind, I would imagine he would have to give up defensive play calling if he stays here again next year. The one thing that I love that always gets floated that I don't know if I can ever think of an example of this happening. <laughs> I know where you're going. I know where you're like, going. Like, okay, you just stay and be the defensive coordinator. We'll bring in a head coach over you. I could never. Can, can you think of anywhere in the NFL that that's ever happened? I can't. I've thought about that. And uh, it's got to be it. Ha- I, I would assume it's happened. I'm sure it has. Like in years. Point, though, it's got to like, be like the 50s and 60s. Like, or even like, you know, but like not in the modern era. That's just yeah. not how it works with the with contracts, with egos, with the whole thing. That's just it's like Jerry West being like, "I'm the head coach, but also Pat Riley's the head coach, and I'm not really the that head just coach." Just doesn't like, happen. Like I'd love to know, like if anybody out there listening has any like examples of that. But like that's always floated. Well, hey, maybe Flus could stay the DC. Um, he wouldn't be staying the DC unless he was also going to be staying the head coach. And I don't know if that's that's certainly not a guarantee. But I also don't know that he stay the DC next year anyways, even if he did stay, because that's not the way that he initially came in planning to be a head coach in the NFL. It's, it's so, I literally, when we filled in for Carmen and Yurko, I literally told Black and Abdallah, like, if anyone calls in and says that, just hang up. It's, it's such a fun theory though, because it's like, okay, like you're really good at doing this. Just do that. Like that's how some people think. And that's right. so irrational in sports to think that anything like that would happen because there's contracts, there's there's the pay that you get for that, there's control, there's forget ego, all of that. There's, there's ego. Things. Yeah, you're well, not like, gonna fire me and say, but you can stay yes. and do this for no, me. That would just never happen. Um, although I will say, with him as a defensive coordinator, kind of like Brandon Staley, um, 
if Matt Eberflus, if they move on from Matt Eberflus, I don't think he'll have any issue finding a defensive He's got a coordinator job. job. Yeah. I do not think he will have any issue doing that. I don't think for for as bad as the Chargers have been, I don't think Brandon Staley will have any issue, even with that defense, yeah. even with having all that talent on that defense and being, you know, not a great team because of it. I don't think he'll have any issue being a defensive coordinator somewhere else next year. No, and I, I just I well I don't know Staley's. And no, it's it's a hard one, but I, was, I I do not think he will have any issue because there's going to be movement among the DCs in the NFL. I mean, Brian Flores should be a head coaching candidate, yeah. in, in this cycle as well. That's an yeah. opening that could be Brandon Staley going to reunite with his old buddy Kevin O'Connell. Like you got to figure out how yeah. these pieces move together, That's true, and fit together. But I mean, Eberflus would instantly fall into that category. He wouldn't be unemployed for very long. No, I I think that flu and and that's the part that's tough, right? Like. I genuinely like Flus as a DC. I think he's a really, really good DC. The hardest part of that is, though, this season, you can't just take the last five weeks into account. Matt Eberflus picked Allen Williams. He helped build out the coaching staff of multiple coaches For that sure. have been removed from the organization. He's like he's in charge of all of that as a head coach. I think players have come in here and basically slapped whatever your principles are right in the face. And you really haven't done too much about it, except one of them you traded and the rest of them, you're just kind of like, oh, okay, like, yeah, we got to get better. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't, I don't know what the answer is in that situation, but I don't love Flus the head coach. I and do like or love Flus the DC. So, We'll see which one wins out. That's the toughest part. No, you're right about that, though. That, to me, speaks to, just like we were talking about with the 3-14 and 14 season last year and everything that has gone on this year, the entire body of work, which also includes, like, that's built into your leadership. Like, you pick, you pick these guys to be on your staff. David Walker was somebody he picked. Alan Williams was somebody he picked. Yeah. The fact that two coaches were off his team by week nine, that's why those questions were raised raised to Ryan Poles about do you do you, do you believe in the leadership of 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 Matt Eberflus do you believe that this team's going in the right right direction do you believe you have the right guy for the job because when things like that happen that's built into your evaluation of man this guy either can or can't form a staff and that's not a knock on any of these other coaches there's some really good coaches on the staff two people who were bad apples in all of this don't speak for the entire crew but that does speak to the evaluation of the head coach as somebody who can pick the right pieces pick the right players too i mean you know how have, how have his draft picks panned out that factors into it all of it together will be part of the comprehensive evaluation, which again, keeps bringing me back to the point of if anybody's saying, oh, this is, he's dead man walking. Like this is, you know, it's over for him. That's just yeah. not the case right now, even though it feels obvious given what the circumstances are of their draft capital for next year, the fact that they may have another quarterback. Sometimes it's not what the person currently in the job is doing that will lead to them being removed from that job. Sometimes it could just be a better, shinier upgrade somewhere else that could result in a change. Yeah, we'll see what it ends up being. Hit that like button, subscribe to the page. Appreciate you guys for showing love. Let me ask you this. with If a change were to happen, there are a lot of interesting jobs around mm -hmm. the NFL. This year. I don't know if they're all great. Maybe if Brandon Staley gets fired, to me, the Chargers job is a great job to get. Yeah. That's probably the number one. Where would you rank the Chicago Bears job in that 
bracket, though, right? I mean, you talk about Panthers, Raiders, yeah. maybe, although they kind of keep winning under yeah. uh, Coach Pierce, so maybe not. We'll see what that ends up being. Yeah, so in theory, everything here is lining up for this to be the best opening. Let's go Ooh. through all of it. Yeah. You have the number one overall draft pick coupled yeah. with the number five overall draft pick. Yeah. If you are somebody coming in here and you are dead set on getting your quarterback, they will do that. They will go get you your guy. Uh, if you're if you're the guy who they have to have, they're going to go and they're going to get you with the, what, what players you need. So the draft capital, the fact that this organization is not doing things the way that it's they've done. It's not same old bears. You have a team president here who's a mover and a shaker and somebody yeah. who can really ignite things in Chicago. Now, Ryan Poles, I, for, I believe... And this is, I've said this all along. I believe that Ryan Poles is safe next year because I think that he and Kevin Warren are, have been in lockstep throughout this entire process that Kevin Warren isn't sitting back and thinking, I'm just going to clean house. I'm going to get rid of everybody and bringing in my people. I don't think that that's part of his evaluation. So you have a team president, you know, the, the general manager who's been given the flexibility with this rebuild to take some time with it. So you're a coach coming in. You don't necessarily need to win a ton of games year one. You'll still have some of that same flexibility too. So there's those two things. You play in an NFC North that is going through a period of transition, has three teams, oddly enough, right now in the playoff mix, but it's a competitive division, but also what feels like it could be a winnable division in the co yeah. in the coming years with the changes in Minnesota, um, all of those things. You're in this market in a city that eventually here somewhere else is going to have a, a new um, a new stadium. It's a charter franchise. What the, I, I know that like it's always felt like this. Oh man, it's the Bears are going to do the same thing that they've always done. This is the first time in probably the organization's history where it's felt like okay everything setting up to this team finally being able to take off in a direction that doesn't feel like they're just reinventing the wheel. Yeah. So I honestly put, especially because of the quarterback, I put the bears at number one, all of those things I listed. And then let's go through some of the other openings. I don't know if Antonio Pierce will be safe. Um, you'd like to think that like there would be respect given to what he's done with this group. They're coming off their bye week Let's see what they do in the next five games. But those guys played hard for him. And they, they, you know, that group, him, Champ Kelly, I hope they get another year. I don't know how Mark Davis is going to go about that. He's paying a lot of coaches right now that aren't currently on his staff. Maybe he thinks this is the best option to save himself a little money, which is a weird thing to think about with a billionaire. I would say that yeah. it would go Bears, Chargers, because you still have a young quarterback and talented defensive players in Los Angeles, Raiders, Patriots at number four, because, you know, it's still the New England Patriots. They're in a. They're going to be heading towards a rebuild too. So you'd like to believe, given how much time Robert Kraft gave Bill Belichick following Tom Brady's departure, following all those losses, um, that that would be something too, where you'll have a new, ch you'll have a change there that organization hasn't had in a long time. You'll have a new general manager and a new head coach. A lot of possibilities there for a team that is going to be trying to get itself off the ground. So it's four. 
And then, I, of course, Panthers at five because this owner is so um, <laughs> wild. <laughs> this owner is so knee jerk reaction. He may just fire somebody again year one, ten yeah. games into the season. That's not a st- it's not a stable organization. They might be moving on at quarterback sooner rather than later. I, but like, it's hard to say like people would turn that job down. Um, probably there five, maybe Tampa Bay is open after this year. Um, I'd put them at six. Maybe if I'm just kind of going through in my head of places that feel like they're, they're, they're in position to, to move on. Um, other than that, I mean, I just don't know if there's any other openings, you know, oh, of course forgot Washington. Yeah. Um, re- rewind, put Washington at five. Um, and then, move everything else down. So then Patriots, uh, Panthers, maybe Tampa. Um, I, I'm just throwing Tampa in there because I'm kind of putting them as a placeholder because there have been some good moments, there have been some bad moments. But Washington is a top-five job. But clearly I say all this to say Chicago should be number one for all the things I listed. That's interesting. Like I, Do you not have them at number one? I, I had them too because I think the, the Chargers job is one you can walk in if you're a good coach and you should be good to go. Right, like if you're, we've, if we've you're, said that every year with that team, though they're super talented and they've made changes. Look, they got a new offensive coordinator. Look at yeah. where this team is. To, scored six freaking points the other day. Yeah, there. Nobody, nobody talk about uh, Justin Herbert winning a uh, game with no touchdowns. By the way, nobody, crazy. Nobody mm-hmm. having that conversation today on TV. I'm just saying, but uh, it, it was just that is. I guess right if you're going draft compensation and all of that in there, which you do have to. You get you have more of a clean slate in yeah, Chicago than you, you do other start places. it off from the bottom. If you're with the Chargers, you're not starting over. Not that you'd probably want to, but it's not like you could start over with a new quarterback in Atlanta or excuse me in um in Las Vegas. Right. Wow, Los Angeles. Right. I'm right. also thinking Atlanta too. I, I still think that Arthur Smith is probably safe for another year, but keep an eye on that one. That's probably an opening in a year or two if they don't. I know they're in the top. They're in the top of the NFC South right now, but they're also like a six-win team. So yeah. Yeah, the 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 weird part. I think the weirdest team to me is the Carolina Panthers and all of that. I do. I have the Bears too, but I think you might have persuaded me to put them one because the potential, everything else that goes in it. But the mm -hmm. Panthers is like you've got a number one quarterback there, a quarterback that I'm gonna be real with you. I actually think can play football. I just think that he's in a terrible year one Justin Fields situation. Mm Yeah, I mean, like I, I looked at it, looking at the all twenty-two from that game, which is the literally the most painful thing I've done this season. It, this job is not roofing in July. It's not like I'm doing hard work. That's mm-hmm. the hardest thing I've had to do this season is watch that all twenty-two, and brutal. I, I got to the end of it, and I was like, I feel bad for Bryce. Like I actually feel bad. Like I'm glad he's losing this year. But he basically has a bunch of guys that are putting him in terrible positions week in and week out, and he has no offensive line. And his best receiver is should have probably retired two years ago. Yeah, like it's tough. And I mean, like that's why I feel like if you're a coach going in there, of course you're 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 worried. How long do I have to turn around this quarterback? Yeah, to, to turn him in the right direction. How long do I have to turn around this team? Because David Tepper has been trying to solve the quarterback position since 2018, and he hasn't been able to. So patience every year continues to run really thin. That's like, you've got to understand when, especially for minority candidates, remember when Denver's DC 
uh, Ajero Avero last year when the Broncos fired Nathaniel Hackett. He said, no, don't put me in that situation. Like, I don't want yeah. to. Um, I don't want to be the interim coach. And a lot of ignorant people are out there like, how could you possibly turn that down? He would have been gone anyways. Yeah. He would have been gone anyways. And I think even with this situation and what we've heard, some of the reports, I don't know if he was actually considered for the interim job, um, the interim you know, placeholder thing in uh, Carolina. You only have so few cracks that actually being a head coach, you can't just take any job, which is why I think it will be harder for Carolina this year than other years where it felt like, oh, it's Carolina Panthers, an owner who's willing to spend a lot of money, first round pick, blah, 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 first overall pick. That's just not the way that, you know, it's you've seen too many examples of that failing, that that yeah. can't just be the baseline of, oh, like it's going to attract everybody. I think it'll have a limited pool this year. Matt Nagy. There it is. Matt Nagy, next head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Please don't do that to Bryce. I'd, I'd hate to see that. Uh, any other nuggets or anything else you have for us before we let you go, Courtney? It sounds like Tyreek Stevenson's coming back this week, so that'll be yeah. good. Um, you know, there was that weird foot injury that I think happened during the Saturday practice, um, or the Friday or Saturday practice before Minnesota. It happened in seven on seven, so it sounds like he's trending in the right direction to be back. So, again, against Jared Goff, they played angry and pissed off against the Lions. I know that was a close game, but it was a 21 point game at one point. Um, the Lions are coming to Soldier Field trying to prove something, and they made a statement in the Superdome last week. So having the full complement of your secondary is going to be important. Yeah. And Tyreek Stevenson had a great game that game. So maybe he can build off that two weeks after facing the Lions the first time. That That's the hope. I, I really want to see how they're going to rotate guys in and out this week too because Terrell Smith has played yeah. really well. And right? that, that sounds like that's what's going to be, like that there will be at least a starter rotation, like getting okay. him back up to speed. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see what this Bears team is able to do versus the Lions. I will see you Thursday, Courtney. Mm -hmm. Special guest coming on that day, too. So tune in with us for Thursday. For our Eye on the Enemy episode, as always, is your boy, Pat the Designer. Back at it again for Courtney, Courtney Cronin. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. Bear done. Let's win some football games, maybe. I don't know. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. Peace. <laughs>